Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Residual Whispers podcast. Every week, we explore a new haunted location or paranormal occurrence from around the world. I'm your host, Sky, And I am your co-host, Brian. This week on episode five of Residual Whispers, we are taking you to the catacombs, the empire of death below Paris. Yes, and I am so excited for this episode. From the moment that I decided we were doing the catacombs, I was just super excited to dig into all the details. And honestly, I spent about two days researching and writing this episode. So be prepared and settle in because we're going to give you guys literally almost every detail that you could ever know about the catacombs. So Sky found tons of incredible, incredible information over the catacombs. Um, if you guys go check out the blog post on residualwhispers.blog, you'll see she really, really went in on this one. We've got tons of tons of kooky, spooky stuff to tell you guys. Yeah, thanks, Bri. Um, I've been trying to keep it like kind of shorter for you guys so it doesn't just seem to run on. Um, but, you know, I think this one is important to tell the whole story, and I just didn't want to cut any details out. I wanted to bring you guys as much as possible. So this week we're just going to dive right in. <clears throat> All right. So located about 65 feet beneath the streets of one of the most beautiful cities in the world lies over 200 miles of tunnels and passageways known as the Paris Catacombs, arguably the most morbid haunted location in the world. The bones of over 6 million people, which is three times the population of Paris today, are piled together in various patterns and designs, lining the walls of the makeshift tomb for miles on end. There is little doubt that the spirits of the dead who rest here roam the underground caverns, and rumors say that many curious explorers have found themselves lost in the deepest, darkest areas of the tunnels, never to reach the surface again. Brian, um, what do you know about the catacombs already? I arguably, the catacombs are like probably one of the most fascinating places in the world to me. I definitely do not know a ton about them. I really don't know more than like, you know, probably what everyone else does by seeing, you know, as above, so below. In yes. like, you know, horror movies like that. Mm -hmm. um, but oh my God, I've seen like pictures of like how they arrange the bones and like there's walls of bones and then there's whole rooms filled with bones. Like that's just insane to me. Like, I agree. Yeah. And that's mostly all I knew about it too. Um, I had heard some of the legends and watched some different shows and documentaries about it, but I didn't know actually know the history of how it came to be that all right. those bodies got down there. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting to you guys. Ooh. Okay. So continuing on, how did the bodies of over 6 million people end up in the catacombs in the first place? It all starts with the Parisian government's effort to eliminate the city's overcrowded cemeteries in the 1770s. So during this time, there were two key events that led to the creation of the Paris Municipal Ossuary, which I bet hardly anyone knows is the actual name of the section of catacombs where the bodies are kept. The Paris Municipal Ossuary. Hmm. Ossuary? Ossuary, however you want to say it. Basically a tomb. Um <laughs> So the first event that happened that triggered these bodies getting moved down there was in 1774, a series of abandoned mining tunnels located on the left, left bank of Paris, rich with limestone used in the construction of the city since the 15th century, began to cave in due to unstable and moist conditions. So alerted by the collapse of a house on top of one of the failing mines and reports of multiple sinkholes, King Louis created a commission to inspect the condition of the Parisian underground. Known as, okay, and get ready, my French is not great and I am nervous about pronouncing these French words for you guys. Brian, do you want to give it a go? Let's see where. Uh, looks like General de Carrier. Carrier. I would have not. See, that's not how I would have said it. Yeah, so. And that <laughs> great could job, easily Brian. be wrong. That is just me <laughs> literally taking my best whack at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so bear with us as we get through some of these French words. But um, yeah, so King Louis created a commission to inspect the condition of the Parisian underground, known as the Inspection Generale de Carrier, as Brian said, which I like. Or <laughs> the Inspection of Mine Service is what it was. So then the second event that happened was in 1780, the basement wall of a property adjoining the Holy Innocent Cemetery, also known as St. Innocence, collapsed due to the weight of the mass grave behind it. 
So just imagine a wall collapsing in your basement due to the weight of human bones piled up on the other side. Oh, my God. Could Could you you, imagine? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Could you imagine just like going downstairs in your house and the wall is caved in and there's just bones falling into your basement? You're minding your own business watching the Broncos game. Yeah. (laughs) My God. So I can't imagine what a shock that was for that to happen to whoever owned that property. (laughs) And um, so with both of these events going on, both these mines beginning to cave in and now the bodies are piled up in the city and starting to cause issues as well. And people are literally falling into sinkholes from the mines. It's just like a hot mess in Paris at this time. They're way overpopulated and they have so many dead. Um, And so for just a second, we're going to sidestep and talk a little about a little bit about the Holy Innocent Cemetery, which is the one that caused the cave in. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at the time it was Paris's oldest and largest cemetery and had been in use for over 600 years, from the Middle Ages to the late 18th century. It was often used for mass graves as disease ran rampant and infections like the plague took thousands of lives in the city. Naturally. So as we were talking about in the Pavalia episode, Paris is also getting overwhelmed with dead bodies. Oh, yeah. It and so, took over Europe. Exactly. Took over. Yeah. So this is around that same time period. And they dug basically some mass graves inside the Holy Innocent Cemetery. And this is part of the problem. So it's an understatement to say that the Holy Innocence was a little full at this point with over 600 years of use. So in 1780, after the collapse of the wall and realizing that the overwhelming amount of dead bodies buried in Holy Innocence and various other cemeteries in the city were contaminating the water supply, the cemetery was permanently closed and all burials intramuros or within city walls were banned. So they basically decided that like... They could not put any more bodies in the multiple in cemeteries, cemeteries in Paris because it was infecting so, their water. Oh, my God. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely insane. Um, and, yeah, as we were just talking about, there was play, like the plague had just ran through. And so there's bodies from that. Literally there's bodies from the French half Revolution. Of the population, at least. Yeah. So there was a lot of events that caused their cemeteries to be really overran at this point. And Damn. so they said, no more. We are not burying any bodies within the city limits. Um, One more interesting tidbit about the Holy Innocent Cemetery. So the church connected to the cemetery after which it was named was also demolished after its closure. And today a plaza near the center of Paris known as, oh, here we go, Washim du Belay in the Le Halle district covers the site. Uh, So yeah, basically, I tried. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, there's just a plaza over what used to be the cemetery now. They completely emptied it out. There's no more bodies there. And I mean, hopefully they're probably... To say that they got every single one is... uh, It probably is. Yeah. But so now there's just a plaza over that site. And there was a church and everything there that was charming. Yeah. So um, you would never guess that you were standing on that site, probably, if you were in Paris today. Lord. So at this point in time, the mine inspection service that King Louis created had been in operation for a few years, and the tunnels were being consolidated and repaired. Hard work was being done to reinforce them in order to protect the streets above and prevent further disaster. So, concerned with the issues of both mine reparation and where to relocate the remains of millions in the condemned cemeteries, police prefect Lieutenant General Alexandre Lenoir, Lenoir, Alexandre Lenoir. (laughs) There we go. There we go. We're going to go with that. Yeah. (laughs) Who was directly involved in the creation of the mine inspection service had a brilliant idea. Let's move the Parisian dead to the renovated passageways and create an underground sepulcher or tomb. So, yeah, basically it was this one police officer who it was within his jurisdiction decided that, hey, I can kill two birds with one stone, and I don't know what the heck to do with these passageways we're renovating. And, you know, that's a big concern at the time. And then also, we need to move all these bodies, so let's just combine it into one thing, and we're going to move them all down there. So that's the decision and idea of one dude. I wonder how the people of Paris felt about that. Yeah, we might. we're kind of going to mention that here uh, a little along the way, but um, we'll just say it now just in case. The church was not a fan. Obviously. And you're going to see... The church is never a fan of anything. <laughs> you're going to see that they they make a move to try and do this without disturbing the church because the church felt like people's bodies, one, 
it was after the pagan times and during pagan times they used to cremate the remains of like everybody right. that was what they would do is they would right. get y'all nice on a pyre and they'd light you up and they'd celebrate Just you light it and, up. yeah exactly but when the church came in and christianity came in they kind of believed that if you didn't have a headstone and a, a proper burial like you were not going to heaven you were not getting the you know see i believe in the whole like bodies being put to rest kind of thing but i don't think you need a full-on headstone and you know all that crap yeah right and it was just like they did this was just a new tradition as christianity movement moved in to make sure that people had headstones had these like these burials they probably made money off of the headstones too (laughs) yeah that's true but uh that's part of the reason that we ran into this issue is because the Parisians and the Romans before them, they were not doing this. And then Christianity said, and all of a sudden they're burying all these bodies and then this problem arises. Exactly. Um, So anyway, this one lieutenant decided this is what they were going to do. And after final preparations and a consecration ceremony on April 7th, 1786, Bodies were moved from most of Paris's cemeteries in the dead of night by covered wagons to the Paris municipal ossuary or the converted section of the catacombs. So that's why they were doing it at night is because they did not want to bother the church and they didn't want to cause an uprising. So they started moving these bodies but did in they the like, dead of night every night for two years. Did they like let the people know they were doing that or were they just doing this completely secretly? That's a great question. Um, I don't think it was a total secret, but I'm guessing a lot of the towns, like if I had been there back in the day, granted they didn't understand a lot about science or about their water being contaminated and those kind of things. So they might've not been a fan. They were probably more apt to lean on the religious side and be upset about it and feel like that was a bigger deal. disturbing the peace or something. Yeah, but I don't know. If it were me and I had been back in those times and it was causing this many issues in these cave-ins and this is what they felt was right to do, I mean, I don't know that I would have had an issue with it, but... I don't know. That's a really good question. I, I didn't like, really find anything. I think on that. I would. I think I would have had. A, I'd be one of the people with an issue with it. Yeah. I would have been like, absolutely the hell not. You're not digging up like my grandfather and yeah, moving that's him point. into a big pile. Like that's just yeah. I, I definitely would have not been about it. Yeah. No, that's totally fair. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, but yeah, I did distinctly find in multiple sources that they did this in the dead of night in order to not cause an uprising and mm. not to upset the church. So that's a good point. That might have been part of it. Um, interesting. Very yeah. Interesting. So this occurred every night for over two years. So it took them over two years to empty all the cemeteries around the city of Paris. Oh, my God. Doing this every night, just moving them in the covered wagons. So at least five main cemeteries were emptied of their dead. St. Innocence. All right. Here we go again. St. Etienne de Grey. Madeleine Cemetery. Arancis Cemetery. And Notre Dame De Blanc Manteau. Mont- you know. Yeah. <laughs> Another cemetery. We all know Notre Dame. The Notre Dame, Dame de Blanc Manteau, or something like that. So, five main cemeteries in the cities of Paris that were all very old were completely emptied, and all those bodies got moved down there. These cemeteries were the final resting place for victims of the plague and the French Revolution, including many who were executed by guillotine. Later, the bodies of those who died in the riots of August 1788 would be added to the ossuary as well. Mm. So, like, no one who's... Riots. Yeah, and no one who's down there died a pleasant death, basically. And then they were dug up from their resting place and moved down there. Yeah. No, that's bad juju. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's really sad to think that, that all those terrible things that those six million people went through only to end up down in this cavern. Oh. And it's, like, one of the most, like, feared places in the world now. Yeah. So, technically, the catacombs were open to visitors beginning in 1809, but an appointment and guidance from a member of the mine inspection service were required. The tunnels were still considered very dangerous at this point, and seeing as the piles of bones had basically been dumped into the passages with little thought or planning, they were a disorganized mess in the beginning. Some curious and notable early visitors include the Austrian emperor and Napoleon III. 
So during this time in 1809, right after they were opened, the bodies had just basically been thrown down there. They didn't mm. put them in nice stacks and piles. They didn't worry no. about any of that. They dumped them. And you can definitely tell that looking at some of the pictures of the catacombs, like literally the rooms full of bones and stuff. Like literally, they're just bones just thrown yeah, together. Yeah, exactly. And like, those are the deeper parts of the catacombs, some of which are part of what's off limits today. Right. And so that makes sense that they went back into those deeper parts and dumped them down there and right. like only the part that's open to the public because you're, right you're not gonna you're not gonna fill the front of the catacombs first you got to start in the back yeah so exactly so that's why it's like nice in the front and then party in the back party <laughs> <laughs> shout oh, out to door delano <laughs> oh man but yeah during that time um it was basically by appointment only and you had to have special guidance to go down there because it was still so dangerous. And people like Napoleon the third were like, Hey, this is pretty cool and we have money. So let's go check it out. Apparently. <laughs> so, um, people are so weird. <laughs> yeah, They just wanted to see the piles of bones that weren't even like, what I mean, what else today. was there to do back in the day? You know, <laughs> like genuinely I could actually see that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. In 1810, Louis attend Heracar de Turi, director of the Paris Mine Inspection Service, saw an issue with the state of the tunnels and how carelessly the bones had been discarded in the catacombs. Knowing they deserved more reverence, he transformed the caverns into a more accessible mausoleum where visitors could pay their respects to the dead. This was the creation of the catacombs as we know them today. Skulls and femurs were stacked together along the walls to form interesting shapes and patterns, including crosses and even hearts. Turi also used some remaining cemetery decorations to complement his unnerving designs, such as large crosses or statues. So he literally went up there and grabbed some leftover signs and sculptures and stuff from the cemeteries and said, hey, these would go great down there in the, in the catacombs. What the hell? And he incorporated <laughs> them into those designs that we see today where they're like, stacked into hearts like, and crosses yeah, the and walls the random of skulls and yeah and there's like the random like crosses in front of them and like yeah that this was that, that was all just does this guy. not seem right <laughs> at the same time though he thought that it was ridiculous that they had all been thrown down there and decided I mean, to make it a place where people could go down there and like pay respects so i mean I good guess, for him on that over yeah. the whole thing is just so weird how they it handled is. it it really so is weird. crazy but when you think about how desperate things got back That's then. That's absolutely true. When you're crazy. that desperate as they were back then, I could only, like, people literally probably were willing to do anything, so. Yeah. So that's how it got to be so freaking crazy looking down there. And with the idea of future visitors in mind, he also created two specific rooms for the purpose of education. One was dedicated to displaying the various minerals found beneath Paris, and another, known as the pathology room, showcased various skeletal deformities found during the process. So he was just like, hey, let's take these deformed skulls and bones and let's put them all in one room. I was going to say, so he's room. like misshapen skulls and freaking too long femurs or something. like. <laughs> exactly. I tried to find pictures of it, but I legitimately couldn't find pictures of this room. So if you find one or you've taken one, we would love to see it because I can't even imagine how crazy that is. And Honestly, then, though. And then he was just like, all right, and then we're going to make this other room for geology because i found some cool rocks <laughs> we love rocks love science oh yes so that's crazy um and then for finishing touches he added tablets and archways bearing ominous warnings as well as descriptions or comments about the nature of the ossuary these do include plaques commemorating the dead and the cemeteries they were removed from hmm. the official catacombs website says that these were meant to encourage introspection and a meditation on death so the main entrance to the catacombs features a charming sign above which reads, Arete, say ici le empire de la mort, or stop, this mm -hmm. is the empire of death. This is the empire of death. Exactly. So that's where we got our title this week. Love but it. like the sign is literally like so scary looking, Brian. This is the a picture of that sign. Literally looks, from the main entrance. It literally just looks like you're about to walk into like the scariest tomb ever. Like Yeah. Exactly. It's hard to even believe it's real. Um, and I'm sure I didn't say it right, but either way, it's terrifying. But definitely so. <laughs> check out the pictures, residualwhispers.blog. Yes, go to residualwhispers.blog and see some of the photos we've posted of the catacombs. Um, I'm sure you've probably seen some before, but I found some pretty wild ones. Brian, here's another one of like 
The skulls are like in a wave, and there's just this cross it's in a front very, that he found. Very intricate design, mm-hmm. honestly. And but all those are like femurs and arm bones. Who just I I couldn't ever like just handle people's bones. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like he's just like picking them up and making an artsy just little making display. a thing with them, and I'm just like, that mm-hmm. is so weird to me. And it was more like he was the director too. He basically brought a bunch of people down there and was like, "All right, this is what we're doing," and put these here and stack it looks these skulls really there. cool because you know I love like those designs. I think it's really cool, but the actual thinking of <laughs> the person doing it <laughs> and like putting it together is just like yeah, so weird to picture. <laughs> I agree. So let me show you one more. This is one of the most famous and notable structures created by hair care which is hair care hair care <laughs> you know surrey maybe the guy she's who born did with all it this. maybe it's maybelline <laughs> um so femurs and skulls were stacked around a support beam to create this structure known as the barrel and it's one of the most famous structures down there oh i think i've seen a picture of this one before yeah. so they just like all the way out just- it's like a globe <laughs> kind of thing mm-hmm. and just right around one of the support beams they were like hey we're gonna cover that up and make it a little more artsy <laughs> so creepy so oh, creepy man. but we have this guy to thank for the catacombs as we know it today so pretty crazy huh. um but i think he did it with good intentions and good on him i mean um, honestly i mean the bodies were all literally just thrown in there together so at the end of the day yeah, and I especially appreciate that he made sure to put plaques down there that said, like, hey, most of these bones came from this cemetery in this year. And, you know, to give them a little bit more commemoration. A little bit more identity. Yeah. Exactly. Instead of just being, oh, one of 500 skulls on the wall. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, hopefully you guys cannot hear my dogs drinking water right now. So. <laughs> we are hoping that you can't. <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. Okay, so the catacombs lay mostly undisturbed until it became a novelty place for concerts and events in the early 19th century. So what an interesting choice of location to enjoy music and fine art. We're just going to go down there and have a concert. So creepy. Uh, So further renovations and construction of more access points followed. And since then, there have been many closures and reopenings to the public for various reasons, including vandalism and, as we were talking about, objections from the church. So in 1833, uh, um, they actually did close access to the catacombs for a good while because the church felt that human remains shouldn't be on public display. I mean, (laughs) I could see that. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. So they opened and reclosed multiple times over the past, like, what is that, 200 years that it's been open or so? About, yeah. Yeah. Um, So since 2013, the catacombs catacombs have been a part of the 14 city museums of Paris. Um, And so there's 14 main museums in Paris. They're all managed by the same company. And the catacombs is part of that now. Um, And so today... Does that include the Louvre? I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised. Huh. It's probably one of the main ones. But yeah, this one team makes sure that they're all staffed and that they're all taken care of, and which is cool because they're able to make it more cohesive, I guess. Got it. Um, so that's pretty sweet. So they added the catacombs to, as part of that in 2013. Hmm. So today, um, the catacombs are open for tours from Tuesday to Sunday throughout the day for the cost of around $30 a person or like 27 euros or something like that. So you can visit the official Catacombs website for more information. And if you want to take a visit, if you're in Paris sometime, um, the link to the actual Catacombs website is on our blog at residualwhispers.blog. And they'll give you all this history as well, which is really awesome. It's where I got a lot of my information this time. I would easily do like the public tour, you know? Yes. But I would not be one of the crazy, stupid people that is like, oh, I'm just going to go down there. And- I'm so glad you said that because we were <laughs> going to talk about that next. I actually completely agree. I would love to tour the part that you can go into, which itself, you still go down like 100 and right. almost 200 stairs, you I read. You still see like a lot of the stuff. It's not like you're not seeing what you're mainly going to see. Yeah, like- definitely. And I think we're going to talk about it in the next part, but only like two miles is open to the public out of the 200 plus of the miles 200 of plus. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I can imagine it's scary enough as it is. And, like, I don't know, the thought of being underground really kind of sketches me oh, out as I, it getting is. Getting uh, getting lost in the catacombs is absolutely one of my biggest fears. Yeah, like, I can't anything imagine. like that. I'm claustrophobic. I am not 
about being blind and not having yeah, light. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you will literally go blind from being in that pitch black of, bar- of darkness, even after like what, like only a couple days, yeah, right? Or something honestly, like that. Yeah. It's crazy. So um, as we said, the tunnels run about, oh, as we were about to say, about 200 miles in all directions. And even though only a small part has been converted for the ossuary, local Parisians still refer to the underground passageways in general as the catacombs. So not all of them have dead body parts in them. There, A lot of it is still just left as it was in the days when they were mines. Mm. Um, but the Parisians just consider it all the catacombs. So only about two miles is accessible to the public, as we said, at about 65 feet underground. But it is said that the darkest and deepest areas of the tunnels may reach over 300 feet below. Attempting to explore these areas is risky and illegal. There are most certainly areas that have yet to be explored, and there are many dangerous, tight, and unstable sections which may, which must be crawled through to be accessed. And I don't no. know. I would, I will walk through a tunnel, no. but to crawl through anything, I'm not. You crawling. wouldn't catch me dead. No, uh-huh. I'm, would I would like never. literally like have a panic attack. Like I agree. I, I hate the no. feeling of being like even slightly crushed. Like if Michael like lays on me or one of the dogs like lays on me, like I can't even stand that. The feeling of like having any pressure on my basically. body yeah no i can't do it no i'm definitely freaks not. me out uh-uh. and i've seen like the videos of people who like slide into like the tiniest crevices of the catacombs yeah. and i'm like are you out of your mind and then mind? like you have to turn around and come back yeah and, like, exactly ah! like what how do you get back <laughs> yeah terrible so there is an intriguing and morbidly curious counterculture in paris referred to as the cataphiles or people who enjoy spending time in and around the off-limits sections of the catacombs. Despite the danger and risk of being caught by police, they spend their time partying in the passageways and swimming in the murky waters of the catacombs. That Even, is disgusting. Yeah, all the water down there. That is disgusting. They will literally swim in it. Like, people will go down there to just do some cave swimming. And, like... People are so special. It's crazy, but there's a whole... I mean... Ask any local Parisian and they will probably tell you they know about these cataphiles. And it's basically this like counterculture of people who love to go down there. And there's people partying down there all the time, which I can't even imagine. So it's like our gold camp, basically. Yes, exactly. Um, Just a thousand times more intense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they'll go down there and they'll just have themselves a good time. Um, They I do think it's cool that they go down there and map it out. I think that's pretty neat, but how they're not afraid of getting lost or running out of batteries and their light sources, I don't know. I, they're pretty brave, on if you ask me. Honestly, so, though, that's true. There and are, it's always caving in, and you know, so yeah, you never know. Like exactly, you may just crawl in one area and it falls apart behind. I don't, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, so, right. There are sections of the tunnels that have been decorated with cataphile graffiti, and some of the artwork is honestly breathtakingly beautiful, intricate, and must have taken hours to complete. The cataphile culture has contributed to the legends and rumors of people getting hopelessly lost and disappearing in the tunnels. Um, so, Brian, this is a picture of one of the pieces of artwork done by one of the cataphiles down there. Are you serious? Like, some of them are unbelievably detailed and beautiful. If you guys go to the blog and check out this photo, it's literally, this looks like it could be like a like piece of art that would be hanging at the Louvre or yeah. something. And it's just painted on the walls here in the catacombs. Mm-hmm. And there's a documentary that I did provide a link to on the blog that we'll mention uh, more towards the end. Um, but in this documentary, this guy from the History Channel goes down into the tunnels with a cataphile. And they go into this brewery, which is underground. It was the basement of a brewery back in the day where they'd keep all their their beer and stuff because it was so cool and, like, it was the perfect place to keep it. And so, um, basically, this specific piece of artwork on the blog was found in that brewery. And that brewery is just decked out with pieces of art, art like this. And so, it's kind of become, like, an underground art exhibit, which is That's cool. nuts. But they'll crawl down there with all their art equipment and just spend hours down there painting and... That's Crazy. insane. Yeah. Insane. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there is some history for you. It's long, but all the details are important to truly understand the complex labyrinth that is the Paris Catacombs and how it came to be as we know it today. With over 6 million people having their eternal slumber in this place, it seems important out of respect for them to hear their story in full. 
So um, that's most of the history on the catacombs. I tried to leave out as little as possible. So we're through the history. But there's just so much. Stuff. And that, you know, that's the thing. It's like that the catacombs history, like double outdates America's history. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's crazy. Um, yeah. And there's just so many cool facts. I mean, I couldn't bear to leave any of it out. So before we explore the hauntings of the catacombs, here are a few of the last intriguing historical facts I found to give to you guys. So in 1944, Parisian members of the French resistance used the tunnel system to establish the headquarters from which the insurrection for the liberation of Paris was led during World War II. At the exact same time, the Nazis themselves were using a part of the tunnels underneath a high school as a bunker. Neither had any idea that the other party was separated from them by only a few hundred feet of limestone. Wow. So both the Nazis... And the French resistance resistance. were down there in these tunnels at the same time using them as hideouts and neither had any idea that the other was down there. Never came across each other. Yeah. Wow. Pretty crazy. Um, And then the last fact that is pretty interesting, a lot more recent. In 2004, police discovered a fully equipped movie theater, including a giant cinema screen, projection equipment, seats, a bar, and even a fully stocked restaurant in a section of the tunnels. The group... Lay, oops, and I, I don't know if it's supposed to be lay the UX or lay oops. It's literally just UX capitalized. Claimed so resp- probably like yeah, lay oops. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like the way that sounds. So they claimed responsibility for this, and the secret organization is known for improving hidden corners of Paris, including restoring the Panthenon clock and repairing medieval crypts. So this organization literally like sneaks around Paris and they like repair hidden areas and like improve things. And they literally went down into the tunnels and put a fully equipped movie theater down there in the tunnels with a bar and a restaurant and a nice screen. Like, can you imagine? And no one had any idea. They weren't even like taking responsibility until they were they just did it and like probably used it from time to time and (laughs) yeah super super cool i thought that was too interesting not to include all right so now let's get into the hauntings of the tunnels so it makes a lot of sense maybe more than anywhere else in the world that the paris catacombs would be haunted more than six million people were removed from their graves their stories and names lost to time and placed in a mass grave beneath the streets of one of the busiest cities in the world So besides being haunted by the souls of those who rest here, there are some other legends that add to the eerie mystery and reported paranormal activity in the tunnels. So probably the most famous spirit in the Paris catacombs is doorkeeper Philibert Asperre, which is my favorite name in this entire story. Love that name. (laughs) Philibert Asperre. It's lovely. So um, (laughs) sadly, though, he was lost in the dark passageways when the flame of his candle went out in 1793. Oh, God. He went down there with one candle. Nope. And the flame blew out and he was lost forever. And that's really sad. But his. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really sad. (laughs) It's really sad. But don't go down there with one candle. Oh, my God. I don't know who would do that. If you go down there with one candle, you deserve to die down there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I wouldn't say that. Not for him. It Not... was like the 1700s. I'm talking about today. <laughs> Poor Philibert. <laughs> All right. So his body was not found until 11 years later. And a tomb slash memorial was erected in the exact spot he was found in. Wow. He is said to haunt the tunnels to this day, becoming especially active on November 3rd, which is the anniversary of the day that he went missing. Um, and this is a picture of his memorial down there. A la memoir de Philibert Asper. And then we're just going to not read Perdu the rest. Perdue <laughs> of November. So we know that this story is totally true. This is his his like little tomb down there, um, which it's really nice that they did that for him. But his body was lost down there for 11 years before it was found. Wow. All because of a candle. Wow. Very sad. Um, So while we know that Philibert's story is 100% true, the validity of an even more famous legend of a man missing in the caverns of the catacombs is hotly debated. It is the story of a camcorder found in one of the deepest areas of the tunnels by by a cataphile. The found footage seems to depict a man exploring this section of the tunnels alone, and he becomes deeply disturbed by something. Some even claim that he is being chased and that the footsteps of whatever is behind him can be heard on the film. 
In the only minute and a half of the footage that has ever been released publicly, the man runs erratically through the tunnels until he drops the camera and disappears into the darkness, supposedly never to be seen again. And um, the camera was his only source of light. Exactly. So he yeah. literally dropped his only source of light and just ran away. Mm-hmm. And so to save us a little time on the article on the blog, I attached a video that's about 11 minutes long of this uh, guy from a YouTube page called That Chapter um, explaining basically the entire legend of this footage. And he does a really great job. So I definitely recommend you go watch that um, because we didn't put all the details on the website. Um, But before we got started, I didn't tell Brian anything about this um, story this week, except for I had him watch that video. Right. And um, he was pretty shocked the entire time. It is pretty shocking. Mm -hmm. And he does go into detail at the end discussing about how people do think it is fake. And um, he goes into his reasoning why he thinks it's fake and everything like that. I could definitely see it. But I think that you can definitely I think this was this is some kind of real video footage and. I think that you can definitely tell that something happened to that poor guy. And he was never, no one ever knew who shot this video, guys. Like nobody ever found out who he was. You never Mm -hmm. see his face or hear any of his personal information. And it's presumed that he was never heard from again, basically. Yeah, definitely. So basically just a a little bit of the backstory. So this um, camera footage, this camcorder, apparently, was found in the tunnels by one of the cataphiles in the 1990s and they believe that it took place sometime during that time was the time it was dropped as well in the 1990s yeah i think they roughly guessed 1993 yeah yeah and then sometime years later um they this footage is found and is turned over to and this is where it it gets kind of like is this faked or not the cataphile apparently turned it over to a filmmaker someone who makes movies for a living so the idea that he could have faked this is um definitely a little suspicious exactly definitely suspicious but then this guy um got it on tv and what was it america no it was something most haunted or scariest america's places. scariest places or something well, it's not america oh we're okay. in paris <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah there was some tv show that it was on in the year 2000 and so a lot of people believe that also that tv show could have faked it because it was known for faking things in the past Right. Um, but the the thing that was interesting to me is that they show this filmmaker um, with the original camcorder. Right. And I mean, I don't know. And to this day, he still will. He's never wavered on the fact that it's true, even though he's getting older and it's more than 20 years later. And he's never gone back into the catacombs since trying to solve the mystery of who the guy was. Yeah. So I kind of believe that it's real. Honestly, my opinion is I think that it might be real footage. And um, but whether or not that guy truly got lost down there forever and died is the part that's up in the air yeah Yeah. so definitely go watch this um video on residualwhispers.blog it is super interesting and um yeah it's just probably one of the biggest legends about the catacombs um to this day so to play devil's advocate as well there are a lot of legitimate stories and evidence of people going missing in the tunnels whether they are found in time or not In 2017, two teenage boys were lost for three days in the caverns until luckily they were found with the help of search dogs. With the large and unknown number of people who sneak into the off-limits section of the catacombs, it's fair to believe that there are probably at least a few who didn't make it back out, especially if they went in alone. And I don't know who... You're crazy if you go down there, but if you go down there totally alone... You're absolutely insane. And the guy in that footage apparently was completely alone. He was not with anybody. So... Crazy. Yeah. I would never. Like, I don't even want to go to the grocery store by myself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, So below, um, so on the website, I've attached one more video that I highly recommend you watch. Um, It covers 10 legends and secrets of the catacombs, some of which we didn't have time to touch on here. And it's from uh, the YouTube channel Most Amazing Top 10. So one of the legends that it covers in this uh, video is the tale of a girl who got lost during a party in the tunnels. And what really struck me is that there appears to be a real photo in the video of the boys who eventually found her with the blurred out body of the girl in front of them. It definitely adds to the believability of the tale And I'd love to hear if you think the photo is real or faked or not. So go check out that video. Let us know what you think because 
Of course, I was just thinking this was just some ra- random legend right. about right. a party going on there and someone goes missing, yada, yada. But no, there's this, this photo. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy. And the photo looks real to me. The time that it was taken seems about right. The boys look about like they're just down there exploring. And then there's this blurred out body in front of them. So let us know what you think about that. And um, yeah. And let us know what you think about the story too, because it's a pretty wild story. Mm -hmm. And so I, for one, was absolutely shocked when that picture came up on the screen. Is it possible that some of the activity in the tunnels is caused by tormented souls who simply lost their way in the darkness? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So when visiting the catacombs, people report orbs, voices, strange shadows, mists, and even the sounds of choirs chanting and malicious growls echoing through the passages. Mm-mm. So I uh, immediately, when I um, heard the part about the choirs chanting... It made me think of how they were saying that in the 1900s, like the early years of the catacombs, they were using it for like theaters and events and putting on shows and stuff down there. Right. right. Um, And so one thing that we've actually never touched on in the podcast that is very important to us here that I talked about on both the blog and the Instagram at one point is what a residual haunting is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so basically a residual haunting is when there is energy lingering from either like a traumatic event or something that was repeated so often that is it, it is imprinted on the energy of a place. It's almost like an echo of the past. Exactly. It's like it was recorded. Yeah. And so that that same thing just repeats over and over. And it's exactly. the most common ty- type of haunting. Exactly. So this is why a lot of people will hear like, footsteps or like on the battles of on the battles on on the the battlefields of Gettysburg people will report hearing cannons going off Mm -hmm. it's that residual energy so all I can think is that these choirs chanting down in the catacombs are the same thing it's that residual energy of maybe a real choir that was there back in the day singing in the tunnels and that or some truly deep demonic stuff exactly and so that's just really creepy um, so, yeah, and then people report growling as well. That's demonic. Mm-hmm. And people claim to have been scratched and pushed by some of the more demonic forces that haunt yep. the tunnels. Yep. So, interestingly enough, there are even legends that claim some kind of demonic creature or animal roams the deepest depths of the tunnels, looking to attack those who have wandered off the beaten path. Another rumor says that if you're in the catacombs after midnight, the piles of bones will begin to whisper to you. Oof terrifying so people do think that there's some kind of creepy animal that's down there that just like attacks people who are wandering around or there was even one legend i read about during it where like this lady claimed to get pulled in there by like some demonic creatures and was like attacked i don't know but yeah so that's pretty scary idea yeah absolutely Mm mm-hmm So, as usual, searching the internet and YouTube will turn up videos of people claiming to be lost or doing their own paranormal investigations in the tunnels. Naturally. And so I'll let you guys look into those for yourself. But I did find two interesting photos I'd like to share with you. So right now, if you're listening, I am telling you, go to residualwhispers.blog and look at these two photos under the haunting section. Um, One of them is captured the clouds of mist that are reported. And another appears to be some kind of demonic shadow figure toward the back of the photograph. So that second one of the demon shadow figure is a very popular photo that is well known to those who dig into paranormal activity in the catacombs. It's a possibility that it's been faked, but actually after doing research on it online, it seems that the general consensus seems to be that people think this is a real photo, which is really awesome because usually you find the opposite. Lots of people believe it wasn't real. Most people actually believe this one was. It was captured when a man on a tour was snapping photos of one of the pathways, and he didn't notice the figure in the photo until later. So, Brian, here's the first photo. Real basic. I mean, one of those uh, mists that is claimed to be seen down there. Okay. And it kind of looks like there's a face or something in it, so that's kind of interesting. But it could also just be someone moving really quickly or I don't know, but it is a little suspicious. And then? Now, this is the second photo. Oh, no. Yeah, so this guy... Oh, no. And the convincing thing about this one to me is the distance away. Ew. It does not look like he intended for that to be there. No, absolutely Because usually not. if people are going to edit something into a photo, it'll be like real obvious. Right. This one, you kind of have to zoom in and it's like down towards the back of the path. And like it's translucent. Mm-hmm. Like you can see 
the wall behind it. Yeah, it's actually extremely terrifying. Look at the length of its legs. That is absolutely freaking terrifying. Oh, it almost looks like it has horns. You guys have got like, to check this. I don't even know how to describe it to you. Like, it's just the end of a dimly lit hallway with definitely what looks to me like some kind of demon. And standing. it definitely also looks like just like a photo that a tourist would only, be taking It down only there. showed up in the picture. Like nobody actually saw it. He mm-hmm. only realized it was there when he was looking at the photo later. Exactly. Like, it's a really spooky, very disturbing photo. That's I definitely was definitely spooky. intrigued by it. Definitely spooky. Um, so we would love to hear, again, your opinion on this photo. So please uh, drop a comment on the blog, send us an email, uh, leave a comment on our Facebook or Instagram page. We would love to hear what you think about this picture. Um, I think so far of all the stories we've done, it's one of the most compelling pieces of evidence on any of them. Easily. Easily. Yeah. That's, that's pretty spooky. So also, could this be photo evidence of the supposed creature that stalks the tunnels and feeds on those who get lost down there? It sure as hell looks This like may one. be proof of the demonic creature that people claim live down there. Oof. So, um, yeah, there there isn't a whole ton of evidence I felt was worthy of sharing, but there's a lot of, like I said, YouTube videos of people going down there and using spirit boxes and stuff. If you really want to see more of that, I recommend you go look it up. So a few other things to note as far as the catacombs go. Zach Bagans, gotta bring him up every episode. Every episode. <laughs> As we said, he has just been everywhere. Um, he did do a special on the catacombs in 2014. Without Aaron. Yeah, this was not with the Ghost Adventures crew. This was Stupid. just him. So actually, the first time that he went down there uh, was with the police. And what was really entertaining to me and was like crazy was that the police got them lost down there. Oh, hell no. Yeah, like literally, uh, you should have seen Zach's face when they're like walking through and they hit a dead end. And the <laughs> cop is like, well, we're lost. We, you know. Absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, it's not like they had, they have maps. They're laying everything out. Yeah, they're trying to, but it's like I was saying, everything's collapsing and mm-hmm. caving in and it's like always changing basically. So. Exactly. Nobody so knows the way. It's just super interesting <laughs> to see that even the police down there are like overwhelmed by the complexity of these tunnels. And um, yeah, Zach was like really getting uncomfortable and he was super overwhelmed and like getting claustrophobic. And so it was a good episode. The other thing that I really liked about it was his interviews with the locals. Um, Hearing them talk from their point of view about the tunnels was really cool. That's cool. So um, that special was called uh, Netherworld and you can find it on Discovery Plus literally by just searching Netherworld. It is not an episode of Ghost Adventures. Love it. Um, So the other thing as well uh, for notable mention is in 2014, the horror movie As Above, So Below. Love it. Such a good movie. Received permission from the French government for the first time ever to be filmed in the Paris catacombs. It was actually filmed in the catacombs? It absolutely was. I didn't know it was actually filmed in the catacombs. Yes, it was. The first and only film that has ever received permission to be filmed down there. Wow. No wonder it's such a great movie. And uh, they did not alter the environment at all besides bringing the piano and the car into the tunnels mm, for those scenes right. shot towards the burning the end car of the film. I forgot mm-hmm. about the burning car um, so I personally think it was a really decent horror movie and worth a watch Love if it. you haven't seen it check it out it was actually really good and um, now that you've read and heard this information you'll probably make connections on where the inspiration behind some of the story came from Absolutely. Um, like there's parts where they hear choirs chanting and stuff like that uh, and now we know oh, that's I remember that yeah and a Apparently, them getting lost down there was totally inspired by that lost footage. That lost footage. That's where that came from. Yeah. Wow. So uh, go watch that movie. It is actually really good. Um, Pretty good movie that was really filmed down there. Gives you a good look at it. Um, So the very last thing, as we mentioned before, there is a full 44-minute documentary linked on uh, residualwhispers.blog in which Eric Geller travels into the catacombs with a cataphile to do some exploring. Um, It's a good way to get a look at the depths of the, um, the catacombs. So it's really informative and touches on some things that we didn't talk about here, such as that brewery that was located under the under the in the tunnels as well right um so yeah i think that about wraps it up for our very long episode about the catacombs of paris the empire of the dead i love it i mean honestly there is so much history and information to cover with the catacombs guys so i mean we almost like we're talking about it for a second like we could easily make this a two-parter but we just said no we want to get all of the information in as much as possible that we could for you guys there is still tons tons more on all these awesome 
awesome sources that Sky found for all of us. Um, just go watch these videos. Check out the documentary. It is really fascinating. Yeah, uh, it, it's been a really fun episode, and it was so fun to read all the details and learn about. Um, such a fascinating place that it's, it is. it's another surreal one where you're like, I can't believe that this is that real. That this is a real thing. Yeah, yeah. kind of like Pavalia. Exactly. Um, so I don't know about you, Brian, uh, but yeah, I would absolutely love to take a tour of the catacombs. Yes. You know, the parts that are I, on top I of would this. absolutely do, like, the actual tour, but I would never, absolutely not ever go by myself or just on my own and think that it's gonna be fine (laughs) yeah and i can imagine after just a short time of being down there we'd probably be like yeah that's enough oh yeah because i've seen enough (laughs) once again claustrophobic (laughs) and just realizing that all those bones belong to people who just like they're like real bones like it almost like makes it feel like you almost look at it and kind of think you forget that those are real freaking bones exactly (laughs) it's insane oh and one of the interesting things i did learn from that documentary that i want to mention to you brian is um the people who take care of the catacombs they go down there every so often and like rearrange and move around the bones a little bit because the guy was explaining the one of the tour guides that if they just left the bones to their own devices they would just crumble and fall down all the time so they do actually go down there and kind of fix things up because as the bones age, they'll just kind of collapse and like fall and skulls will fall out. And so they, they keep up on Absolutely the maintenance. Absolutely not. This could you imagine so that being weird. your job? No. <laughs> No, I could not. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So if you stuck with us all the way to the end of this episode, we really appreciate it. We'd love to hear your opinion on this episode or any of the evidence we talked about. So feel free to drop a comment on the blog, um, on the Instagram, on our Facebook page. And another last and final request. If you are listening to this, either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate a five-star rating if you have the time. We have yet to, as we've just begun, really receive any ratings. So in order to kind of get our show out there and get more people to find us, um, it would really help us out if you gave us that five-star rating. Thanks in advance. There we go. <laughs> Love it. So we'll see you again next week. I'm your host, Sky, And I am your co-host, Brian. And remember, if it feels like there's somebody there, there probably is. No, we're not going to do that. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for being a part of the Residual Whispers community. This podcast was created, written, and hosted by Skylar Daniels, co-hosted by Brian Grace, and edited and produced by Michael Liddell. You can check out all evidence, photos, and stories at residualwhispers.blog. You can contact us with your own paranormal stories, comments, or questions by sending an email to residualwhispers at gmail.com. We'd really appreciate it if you followed us on Instagram at residualwhispersblog and help us grow by subscribing to the blog to receive notifications every time we post. We hope you enjoyed listening and we can't wait to share our next paranormal story with you.